Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com and the movement GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Leadership styles are like fingerprints, and they leave an unmistakable mark on whatever they touch and are unique to each individual. And while we don't get to choose our fingerprints, we do get to choose how we lead those around us. Some of us might need to push the pause button and reset how we are leading. I know often you're just going through life and someone will come along and, and maybe say something, tweak how you're, how you're doing things. And I hope that today our listeners will be able to lean in and hear some things where they can definitely push that reset button and go, hmm, maybe I do need to pause. Maybe I, I do need to um, really check in to make sure I am allowing God to lead me in the way that I, I should be leading. But before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And Lisa is out today. She has all kinds of fun things happening with her son and her daughter-in-law visiting from Portland. So uh, we we allowed her to um, play grandma today and have all of her 5,000 grandchildren around her. But we are going to be chatting with Christopher Hutchinson. He is the senior pastor of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Virginia and a graduate of Duke University and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary um, with his Master's of Divinity. And prior to entering the ministry, Chris served in the U.S. Army, including a combat tour during Operation Desert Storm. Chris and his wife, Kirsten, have two grown daughters, and he is here today to talk about his new book, Rediscovering Humility, Why the Way Up is Down. So welcome, Christopher. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Actually, Christopher, I'm really excited about today, and especially this is your very first book, so congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and why did you choose to write on humility? Because I, I would say I, there's a little bit of fear there if I was writing mm. on humility and, and asking God to help me with this. Oh, I, don't yeah. want, I don't want that kind of humility. <laughs> well, yeah, it, is, it, can, it can be a little scary unless you know you just learn to, to treasure Christ above all else and realize having more of him is more valuable than even success in this world um, so once you kind of get that reorientation then it's something a Christian should crave to, to want to look more like Jesus but it is hard it is hard I will admit that absolutely um, yeah so, so did you start out praying like okay God be gentle <laughs> <laughs> well no, I'm pretty much a fool. You know, I just just barged in. Um, no, I actually have been thinking about this and and kind of writing it for about thirty years. Um, wow. Yeah. So I, I became a, a believer when I was seventeen. I grew up in the church, but once I realized that actually it wasn't the other people out there that that needed Jesus. I needed Jesus. I was the sinner. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that humility had to be right at the center 
of the Christian faith, just recognizing we can only be saved by God's grace and not by mm-hmm. what we do. Um, and I read uh, some about it in C.S. Lewis and uh, a theologian named Jonathan Edwards, and I just realized it really is at the middle of the Christian faith. But then as I kind of got involved um, in the American evangelical subculture, I realized it wasn't something that we much emphasized, mm-hmm. that we really emphasized a lot of outward glory and numbers and success and that sort of thing. So it's just kind of been on my heart for 20 or 30 years, and finally I um, was able to, <laughs> to finally finish it a few years, a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting that you say the culture and the evangelical world, and it, it, you want to say it happened in a subtle way. It was just like little, little baby steps. But I feel like social media, had, which oh, I, God. I love social media, and I think great things can happen through social media. But I feel like all of a sudden it turned into this: everyone has to be Instagram famous or. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's, I, I know, um, Lisa and I were asked, um, to by Tyndale to, to write a book and, wow. and I get it that publishing companies, the, the, one of the very first questions that they ask you is what, what are your numbers? <laughs> you know? Right. Oh yeah. What's Twitter? <laughs> What's your Facebook? Yeah. Well, and, and let me, let me just give a shout out to my publisher that they took a risk on me because I had, I literally had no numbers because I was not on social media. Mm. at all until mm. until the book came out so i they just looked at the subject and and were very kind so i'm very appreciative to new growth press yes that that is that's very interesting because many times it is about the the, the numbers there before they even um are interested in what you're sure. going and they, to do. And they have to they have a bottom line so i understand mm-hmm. that Mm-hmm. So tell us, so who are some of the most humble Christians that you know? I know you, um, you, you talked about um, C.S. Lewis just even in his writings, which is oh, an yes. amazing man. But who are some of the most humble Christians that you know? Well, it's going to be people you've never heard of. I mean, I think of a, a young lady in our church who has autism, who just has no sense of uh, – any sort of self-embarrassment. She just prays out loud. She interrupts the service, but it's always with good stuff. It's always directing our attention to God and his grace. Um, I see her as a very humble person. I, there's people in my church that are always behind the scenes, but they're always praying. And uh, it, so that's, that's part of the theme of the book. Uh, I think it, Paul says somewhere in First Corinthians, he says, judge nothing before the time. Or we think of the the saints in Matthew 25, where they're just so busy visiting prisoners and visiting the sick that when Jesus tells them, "You are looking like me. You did good things," they're they're surprised because they're not thinking about themselves. They're not trying to be in the limelight. Um, so when we get to heaven, we're going to figure out who the really humble ones were right. or not. Mm. So anyway, I don't I don't know if you want names, but kind of I mean I dedicated the book to to the unknown saints. Mm-hmm. So that's more more the theme of the book. Mm-hmm. Well, right now in our our world, I know we're dealing with this uber uh, uber power is is the way I'm I'm oh yes thinking oh, yes. of it oh. in um in just leadership of you know the the whole hashtag Me Too movement and some of the things going on there where you've seen that the uber power can you know, go to such an extreme uh, that it's, it's wounding a lot of people. Sure. 
Well, and, and power by itself is not a bad thing because God is all-powerful. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, all perfectly powerful. But Paul tells us in Philippians 2 to have his mindset, which is to consider others as more important than ourselves, um, to die to ourselves, to become servants like he did, even to the point of death. So he's the model for us, the, the, the most powerful person there was, but who gave his life out for others becoming nothing so that, that we could be saved by his death and resurrection. And, and that's what we can hold on to. I know at one point I was sharing with my neighbor in a Bible study, and we were talking about, you know, being humble and humility. And mm. after the Bible study, she said, Patty, I, I just disagree with you because mm. I don't think we need to be, you know, a doormat. And I And I think people get confused <laughs> on – uh, what humility really is, what being humble. And just like you said, Jesus was humble and he's, you know, so powerful. God is, is we can tap into, you know, Ephesians 3.20. It's just all powerful, more than we can even ask or imagine. And it, it's not about being a doormat. So will you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, that's, boy, that's, and that's a tricky subject. And that's kind of why I, I wrote a whole book about it. Right. <laughs> um, I think at one of my chapters is called, called, bold nobodies, meaning we're, we're trying to, to model our lives after Jesus in his first coming as a servant, giving ourselves out for others, not worrying if we get credit for it here. But at the same time, we have, if we're believers, if we have been born again, if, if, if the Holy Spirit lives in us, then we have um, – God has given us great gifts, and we shouldn't denigrate those. Um, we should give him all the credit. Any good thing we have is purely by his grace, but we should use our gifts. And, 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 and so th there's a false humility which would, um, would deny that. And that, again, that's just kind of drawing attention to yourself instead of just saying, okay, I'm good at speaking. I'm going to speak and try to bless others. Or I'm good at serving or, or uh, giving rides. I'm going to do that. And, and you're just kind of going about the business of, of the of the ministry and the gospel and not worrying who gets the who gets the credit or not. <clears throat> and that is so hard. Who gets yeah. the credit? I know oh, yeah. I, I've done that where, you know, I mean, not once. <laughs> I definitely will be thinking right. that when I'm doing something and go, Oh, this is so much work and nobody even knows. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and kind of look at me, look at me, you know, yeah, I, I definitely do that as well. And, and you just, you want to, you want to share it with somebody you go, oh, you know, I planned this whole event and only 10 people showed up. Do they have any idea how much work mm -hmm. that I've put into this and all these people that have put into it? And yeah, you kind of, you kind of want to put it out there. You want to throw it out on social media so everybody can go, oh, wow, that was amazing. Good job. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's where humility helps us. If we realize we don't deserve anything good from God, and everything we have is by his grace, that there's, Paul says, we're saved by faith alone, and so therefore, boasting is excluded. Um, so any good thing we can do is, we just do it for love of God. Um, Martin Luther said, if he wrote a sermon and nobody showed up, he'd still preach it just for the glory of God. And so I think when we do that, when we're just doing something because God takes pleasure in it, we don't we, we can kind of unhook ourselves from trying to find our worth from other people's evaluation and noticing us. We just do it because we enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you um, you have in your book, humble Christians should make humble and therefore healthy churches. So when we come back after our commercial break, I'd like to talk about that. How do okay. we create that, that healthy church? Because we are definitely seeing a difference in our churches and, mm-hmm. uh, and what it would look like if we did put a little bit, pour some healthy in there. So we'll be mm-hmm. right back after this okay. message. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriended. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. It's a fact that working out for 30 minutes a day will improve your health and make you feel oh so good. But if you are on a quest to lose weight, you should be looking to exercise aerobically for 45 minutes to an hour. I know that may sound daunting, but it's really not. You don't have to kill yourself to keep your heart rate up for 45 to 60 minutes. I know people who put their iPod on and walk for an hour a day. Consequently, they are losing weight, increasing their energy, and feeling great. On the other hand, if you're like me and want to maintain your present weight, then 30 minutes of cardio a day is perfect. The benefits of cardio exercise are fast. And even if you're not trying to lose weight, it is necessary and vital to your health. So schedule in your cardio exercise six to seven days a week and watch your health, energy, and outlook on life improve. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, this day, we are talking about humility. How fun can that be? And joining us now is our special guest, author and senior pastor, Christopher Hutchinson. In his new book, Rediscovering Humility, Why the Way Up is Down. And we went into our commercial break talking about humble Christians should make humble and therefore healthy churches. So, Christopher, what does that look like? How do we let that be our culture? How do we create, you know, I I know the church is definitely the hope of the world and this is where we go and Mm. we're we're all, we're all sick and we're a hot mess. Mm -hmm. So it's off. We can go there, but how do we make this be a part of our culture? Yeah, that's a, 
Boy, that's a, a great question and, and really kind of what drove me to write the book because there are other excellent books out there on humility, um, particularly Andrew Murray's little book, which was written 100 years ago. Um, but really, I had not find a, found a book that addressed corporate humility, what humble churches ought to look like. So this is actually about half of the book, the last section. And I, I make a lot of suggestions because if you, if you make a lot of rules on how to be a humble church, first of all, you might be wrong. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, then the church will just follow the rules and then become proud of those rules, right? I mean, you know, they'll say, look at us. We never talk about ourselves. And there you go. <laughs> You've just become proud of that. Um, so I wouldn't, as people read that section, I wouldn't mind some pushback. But here's, here's some suggestions I have on, on ways to a church itself can be humble. First is, I think, just look at the New Testament model of the way the believers gathered and what they did. And what we find, it's a very simple model that emphasizes faith, not sight. It emphasizes the word of God and prayer rather than ceremony or elaborate um, performances or anything like that. And, and so in, our, in my tradition, we, just, we call it the means of grace, word, prayer, and sacrament. You focus on those things and it kind of gets your, the attention off of the pastor. It gets the attention off of the church. You're not branding yourself. You're not saying, everyone come to our church, and we've got the greatest thing going on. You're saying, all we're doing is giving you Jesus Christ. Uh, and you, you, you've got a preacher that comes with weakness and trembling, and he preaches Christ crucified. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2. So he's always taking the eyes off of himself. No matter how gifted he is, he's using those gifts and saying, you need to trust Jesus alone as your savior. So when, when you're doing that, then you, you see another mark is that you see you have more in common with other churches that are doing the same thing. And so you don't brand yourself as particularly special. You emphasize the unity of the church, um, the essentials of the faith that, that obviously that God is triune and, and you're saved by faith alone um, through grace alone in Christ. But then beyond that, you're able to really emphasize the unity uh, that we have together in Christ. That's, I think that's humble. You pray for other churches Sunday mornings. You, you send members to other churches sometimes or visitors, and you say, go check out that church. They're just as good or better. Um, I, I, so those are some of the things. Um, I think shared leadership is very important, that not one man or woman has all the authority, but that they, um, they work together with others. Um, so that, and I've got five whole chapters on this. I think the way you do evangelism that you said to me earlier that the church is a hospital, that we're all a mess, we're all a hot mess. And so that a church needs to emphasize grace, a, a place of healing and, and pointing people to, to God's grace rather than just fighting the culture wars and trying to look strong and like they've got it all together. I think you want to be a place where, where broken people can come and find a healing, that they feel welcome there, even with all their messes. So those are just some of the pictures I try to paint in the mm -hmm. book. I I really appreciate what you're saying about praying for other churches. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you know, imagine that because we do we get so territorial where it's like, mm -hmm. wait, that, that church is is building another facility over here close to ours. It's only a mile away. Now they're gonna they're gonna take some of our sheep. That's not. Mm -hmm. And and you you do see a, a lot of the body of Christ just kind of church hopping, you know, like boutique shopping, going from church to church, and you have a tendency to to get territorial. Like, no, you can't oh, yes. you can't just come over here and go to our Bible study, and then go over there to go to your church, and then come over here to bring your kid to the youth group, <laughs> yes. and you go 
but why not? How come mm-hmm. we're not just saying, hey, there's enough of Jesus for all of us? Yeah, and I, I, I mean I do think just on a practical level, one of the marks of a humble Christian is that they do commit to one body, that they join it actually and submit themselves to the leaders. Um, of course, I'm Presbyterian, so you might expect me to say something like that. But <laughs> the, the, you know, the book of Hebrews says submit to the leaders. Um, the, the New Testament talks about elders and deacons and that they share leadership together. So I do, um, I do think that's the preference, that you can certainly support other churches, but that an individual Christian has one place where they can say, I am accountable to this group of leaders, and if they confront me, then I need to listen to them. And if they're speaking the word of God, then I need to change my life and, and submit to that. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you finding that in, uh, I know I'm, I'm in Arizona and mm-hmm. it's definitely, um, more of the younger generation where, you know, they're used to going into Starbucks and customizing their drink. Why wouldn't right. go to three or four churches and customize their lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. I like to go here because I like the worship. I like to go here to bring my kids to youth group. Are you seeing that? Yeah, I think it's a challenge. Um, but that's just, again, something we preach. And I, and I think some of the other churches in our area teach as well. So part of humility is dying to your own preferences. You're saying, what's best for my family? To, what is the best place for me to grow in faith and to help the kingdom grow? Mm-hmm. And so I may join a church that I don't agree with entirely on some of the secondary issues, or I may not entirely like their worship. So part of humility is learning to not – that the church is – you're not just a customer to be served. You are there to give out your life for the kingdom and to be part of the body. So one you know, practical – every church has different worship styles, um, but one of the things we do is, is have a blended worship style where we sing some of the old hymns and we sing some of the more contemporary songs. And not everybody likes every song we sing. In fact, I don't like all the songs we sing, and I don't like all the hymns I pick. But I know other people do, and it's, it's not about our preferences. It's about serving the whole body and, uh, and uniting together under the umbrella of God's grace. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once again, that, that, it trickles from leadership. You know, that culture mm-hmm. is trickling mm-hmm. from, from what you're saying. And then how do you do this? in within your staff how do you you, are you just intentional about this is what you're you want that to trickle down and you're saying i mean because vision leaks you can you can say it but how how then are you changing this culture in your church yeah well that that's a great question because i have a staff of two myself and my excellent associate pastor um we don't even have a secretary um I actually talk about that in the book, that I type up the bulletin every week, and so that gives me a sense of humility. And I type in all the volunteers in our church that make the church run who aren't getting paid a penny, but they're doing the work of ministry, and that makes me pray for them and be grateful for them. Um, So really it's um, – I don't know that I have a – I don't know that I have a great answer for this. I just try to preach God's word and – and it always points us to God's grace and points us to Jesus that we are not sufficient of ourselves, but he uses weak people. Uh, his power becomes perfect in our weakness. So I guess that trickles down. I don't know. A lot of my church members set an example for me in humility and wisdom, and I need to follow their example, honestly. 
So I don't know if that's trickling up or trickling down. I don't know how that works, but, mm-hmm. but we encourage one another in this. Mm-hmm. And and how would you encourage? And you know, obviously, this is in your your book. What are some specific ways that both individuals and churches can can be more humble? Like what what are like three tips where it's just not coming from the pulpit, but there are other things that you're able to do to create this culture? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, Again, just the things that we find in God's Word. I mean, going through the book of Proverbs is an excellent place to learn humility. Uh, The book of James also is kind of the Proverbs of the New Testament. Um, Paul tells churches how to be humble in 1 Corinthians in particular. Um, And then, of course, it comes from the Gospel in the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians. Um, So just again, as we spend time in the Word of God, so some of the the ways um, are – some of the things we've already talked about, which is um, treating everybody as important, not looking at somebody as, oh, are they worth my time? Are they going to be a key person or not? But just pouring yourself into them like Jesus has poured himself into to you. Um, speaking only to bless, um, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, asking people questions about their lives instead of always wanting to talk about your life. Um, Obviously, being a servant, being, being, looking for physical ways uh, to labor and, and help others. I'm not very good at that, but thankfully other people are. <laughs> um, the, and I think, you know, just a, again, just coming out of – a couple other things. Just when, you, when God does give you successes, don't brag and don't boast in them. Let other people – the book of Proverbs says, um, let others praise you and not your own lips. And so just trusting that you don't need to promote yourself um, and that your, your, your reward is in heaven. That's really what you're doing everything for. That's from Luke 14, and that is a major part of my book as well, that we, when we throw a banquet, we invite those who cannot repay us in this life in order that we may receive a heavenly reward. Again, all by grace. It's not like we earned our way there, but, but we're saying to God, we really believe heaven is real, that grace is real, that we're going to a better place, and that's what we're living for, not for the glory here. So those are some things. Mm-hmm. And, and that alone is to lean in and really believe that heaven is real. Um, yeah. I, I love that because we, we do. We want those rewards right now. We're so big mm-hmm. on gratification. I'm going to go make some mac and cheese, and I want it done in five seconds, not 30 seconds. Yep. <laughs> and so it's it's easy to want those rewards right now and it's hard to to consider what that's going to look like in heaven. And like you said, it's okay, so is that what it's all about? Just the rewards? It's like hmm. <laughs> but well, yeah. We're going to take a commercial break on that thought, Christopher. So we'll come back. And once again, we're talking about rediscovering humility with Christopher Hutchinson. And after this break, we'll be right back.
This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. A study from the Center of Science in the Public Interest reviewed the nutritional contents of movie theater popcorn and found an alarming amount of fat, salt, and calories. A typical large tub of popcorn has 1,200 calories, 980 milligrams of sodium, and 60 grams of saturated fat. Adding just one tablespoon of butter adds 130 calories. Even the small delivers 670 calories, 550 milligrams of sodium, and 24 grams of saturated fat. Movie theater popcorn is often popped in coconut oil, which is about 90% saturated fat. Add salt to the enormous portions, and your once healthy snack turns into a health offender. Next time you go to the movies, bring your own air-popped popcorn and enjoy the show. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond, keeping you healthy, happy, and fit. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. back. And in his Thank new you. book, Rediscovering Humility, Christopher Hutchinson urges the church to place humility both individually and corporately back as a central goal of Christian life and the best way we can grow to be more like Jesus. And Christopher, we were talking on break that, uh, you know, so many times in the corporate world, mm-hmm. uh, we see leadership maybe done, you know, differently than in within the church and doing ministry. And yet right now the pendulum's kind of swinging to a servant leadership type style. Mm-hmm. And we went from uh, that kind of control and command, more of the military where if I say jump, you say how high and mm-hmm. leading in that authoritarian type leadership. And now we're putting a pot, pressing pause on that and going, this isn't really working. And especially as the millennials are coming up, they don't want a manager that's going to tell them what to do. They want a manager that's going to lead and listen and more of that style of leadership, especially mm-hmm. with you um, being in the military. What are, what are some of your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I mean, I, do, I did write this book in a very Christ-centered way, and then particularly talked about the church. And I do think church leadership may be a little different. I mean, Paul describes church leaders as those at the end of the parade, as considered as scum and dregs by the world, because you know we're not supposed to look glorious. We're supposed to reflect Christ carrying his cross. But in the corporate world, you, 
can't quite do that. And yet, if you're a Christian, you're still a Christian as a businesswoman or a doctor or a lawyer, um, and you've got certain leadership um, responsibilities, So, I, I, and you want to lead in a way that reflects Christ and reflects his gospel and grace. Sometimes you still have to fire people. You certainly have to confront people when they're wrong. Um, but I think just, I guess the first argument of my book is if you're thinking, I've got to do this in a humble way, then that's half the battle. If, you're, if you have to confront a coworker and you're thinking, how do I do this that is both reflective of the truth, what needs to happen, but is also reflecting the character of Christ, I think that's what I'm arguing for, that you're, you're thinking it through. And as you do that prayerfully and with weakness before God, then, then it, should, it, it will go better. It will go well, um, maybe not perfectly, but, but that's what I'm arguing. Um, so just a couple of stories from my life when I, uh, I was in the Army for three years, and I was a, um, a lieutenant, so they paid for college, so I had to pay them back. Um, and it was a great job. It was a great job. So I, I was a, a medical platoon leader in an infantry battalion, so kind of up on the front lines with all the gung-ho guys. And, um, but I ran the medics. So I, 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 I thought I was pretty smart coming out of college, <laughs> like a lot of guys. And I thought I could tell the Army a lot of things. And I, I remember talking to one of my professors who used to – he was actually an Air Force general. And I said, what, what can I do to influence the Army? What can I do to help them get better? And he just kind of looked at me with a, a chuckle and said, just do your job. <laughs> he says, no one's going to listen to you. He says, first, I mean, he was much nicer than, than that. He just said, first, learn to do your job with excellence and service to your soldiers. And then, though, and then eventually people are going to ask you your opinion. But no one's asking yet. <laughs> so I think that's the first thing is, is just – Till your field well, you know, do your responsibility well. Don't worry if anyone's noticing, but in time people will. And and that's what C.S. Lewis writes about in his wonderful essay called The Inner Ring, in which he says everyone's always striving to be recognized and be in the power circles of their job. But he says don't do that. Just become a master craftsman, whether you're an accountant or a clerk at a grocery store. If you're a bagger, do that with excellence and with service and with love. And the people that matter will notice you and start asking you your opinion. So that, I think that's the first thing is patience, mm-hmm. um, waiting for God to promote you in his time. And again, that's from Luke 14 where Jesus says, when you go to a wedding feast, don't invite yourself up to the head table. Let them invite you. So I, I think that does apply to the, to the secular business world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, another example, if that's okay, do you, do you have time for another yes. one? Oh, absolutely. Um, this is a great one. So I, I came into my infantry battalion as a young lieutenant, and I had a great first captain. He wasn't a Christian, but he had a lot of wisdom along these regards. And he said, Chris, he said, in your career, you're always going to have two choices. You can look above you at the captains and the majors and the colonels above you and just try to do and satisfy them and just try to um, suck up to them, or you can look below you at your soldiers and do what's right by them and, and lead them well and serve them. And he says, if you do the second one, again, the people that matter above you will notice. And so he says, always, always, even as a leader, you always see yourself as a servant to those you are leading. Mm. And they're going to notice that too. So I thought that was very wise advice. 
Yes. And so many times when, when we think of, you know, being a servant and especially, you know, through servant leadership, it may appear as an oxymoron. It's like, oh, I can't lead and serve. And yet it truly is a, a great strategy that's been embraced by, you know, even uh, there's a story of, you know, some of the world's most successful companies. Um, I know uh, Jason's Deli is big here in Arizona, but University of Illinois at Chicago, their business school, they did a recent study. And with that, they took 961 employees at 71 different rest- restaurants. And within those restaurants, the stores that had the servant leaders showed 6% higher job performance, 8% increase in just positive customer service ratings, and then 50% higher staff retention rate, all because they were training their leaders to truly focus on their employees. And, and what that looked like was being humble. You know, they, ego definitely can be the enemy <laughs> because yes. just like you said, when we want everybody, I mean, I think in our hearts, we just want to matter. And yet, you know, just like you said in Luke, where it's like, let them invite you and, you know, look around who who's following you. And, and well, I know Lisa and I do a lot of um, events and we would have you know, women come up and say, Hey, I want to speak at your event. I want to speak at your event. I want to speak at your event. What does it take to speak at your event? And they actually invite themselves up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. For, you know, for future events, Hey, I'm Mm -hmm. a speaker, you know, let me, Mm -hmm. what, what, what do I need to do? And there were times when I, I, you know, you wanted to go, well, first of all, I I don't really know you. Right. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's building that rapport, having that relationship. And there, there's a story of, uh, I want to say it was President Roosevelt where he had um, an opening in his um, in his labor. Uh, now I'm going to mess up the story. But anyway, his his maid, uh, his housekeeper wanted her husband to get that position. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, in order to get this position, you, you need to be able to serve. You need to have influence over these people. And she said, no, you give him the job and then he will have that mm-hmm. influence. And, uh, it's that whole thing. No, let them invite you. And exactly. Yeah. That- and here's, here's where I think the gospel speaks to that. If you don't mind, if, I mean, if you're a believer, then you said somewhere you said we want to matter. And that is so true. And, and that's not necessarily wrong, but in the gospel, we matter because God loves us, period. <laughs> that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't earn God's favor. Um, I'm too sinful for that, uh, and but I don't need to. He, I am the apple of his eye because of what he did for me in Christ. And so, that, again, that takes the pressure off of me to need to be important here on earth, to need to be recognized. Uh, all I want to do is be a servant. All I want to do is, is, is serve God and his kingdom, whatever that looks like, working as unto the Lord, not unto men, Colossians 4, um, and, and so if that's being a leader, great. If that's being a janitor, great. It doesn't matter. We, what we care about is God's glory and the gospel going out. That's what matters, and that's what the gospel does for us because we're perfectly accepted by God already, and we're going to have all the, the glory and the riches and the joys there up in heaven awaiting us. So uh, to me, it's, just, it's, it's very freeing, actually. It, it is freeing, and 
I think because of our culture changing, and I know I struggle with this as well, when you're talking about Colossians 4 and, you know, just even talking about I'm the apple of his eye, that many times because we it is all what we do and what we produce and being driven by results, that you have a tendency to look at God that way. Like, where where do I need to produce for you, God? Where What results do I need to put on the table that you're going to love me more? And I know... I will do that even in my prayer yep. life where I think, oh, oh I, I haven't been doing my quiet time. I'm, I'm sure you're not going to answer my prayers now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's, goodness. Yeah. It's just crazy. A, a, a works mentality creeps back in, and that's pride. I mean, and I'm, believe me, that's, we're all there, and that's, again, why God gave us a whole book about that called Galatians, uh, just to remind <laughs> us of the wonder of, of grace. Yes. And, and we, we need to switch that, that paradigm. And that is, it is getting into God's word to be able to, yeah, look at Galatians and to, to really unpack that about what grace looks like, because I feel that, um, I, I lead a a life group with, um, quite a few college girls and, there's actually 30 in our group, and it, it, wow. it's just interesting when we um, we talk about just the guilt that's there, where it just separates. Because, like you said, it's it's sin, and so if they're not doing, if they don't see these works taking place, they feel like God is punishing them. I mean, even down to just recently in one of our conversations, one of the gals mentioned, you know, she hasn't been coming to church the last couple of weeks because because of work. So she felt like God's angry at her, and mm-hmm. it, it that's just such a unique, not a unique way. I mean, not looking that way is unique at times when we right. just realize we are the apple of his eye. So we have one minute. What would okay. be one tip before we go into another commercial break here? Oh. Actually, we have 30 seconds. So what, okay. what's one tip there, Christ- <laughs> Christopher? What, what's one tip? What's one tip that we can go ahead and leave our listeners before we uh, go let, let you uh, Let us decrease and let Christ within us increase, as mm. John the Baptist said. One tip. One tip. I love that. And with that thought, we'll go on a commercial break, and we will be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. 
For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to the Mayo Clinic, chronic stress can lead to a variety of health and emotional problems, and yoga is a wonderful stress reducer. The core elements of Hatha Yoga are the poses and breathing. The poses or postures are a series of movements designed to increase flexibility and strength. The breathing is controlled and the breath signifies your vital energy. They report that yoga can increase your fitness, reduce your stress, help you manage chronic health conditions, and even help with weight loss. Yoga can aid you in making healthy lifestyle changes necessary to gain control of your eating and drop those excess pounds. If you have ever wanted to try yoga, September is the perfect time because September is National Yoga Month. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We have been talking with Christopher Hutchinson. He's the senior pastor of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Virginia. And he recently wrote the book, Rediscovering Humility, Why the Way Up is Down. And Christopher, we we left um, with your great tip um, on on humility, and I, I want to let our listeners know exactly where they can find you and get your book. And then okay. I'd love to finish this last hour talking a little bit more um, about just leading in ministry, leading in um, you know the the corporate world, and how ego can be the the enemy there, and how do we use humility in all aspects of our life? But tell us how we can um, get your new book, Rediscovering Humility. Yeah, so um, you, it's on Amazon. I mean, can, you can Google it on Amazon. Um, it's also a little cheaper at, at the publisher, newgrowthpress.com. Um, you can go there, and, um, and pretty much if you Google it, it's available a lot of, a lot of different places. Um, and I, I have not been on social media, and that's part of what I've been trying to do is just pastor a local church here and pour myself into the local church. But when the book came out, I did get on Twitter just to be responsible, um, <laughs> really, because the publisher took a risk on me and they said, you know, you need to do your part. I said, okay, I'll get on Twitter. And yeah. that's been interesting and mostly encouraging. I'm sure I've mistweeted a few times here and there. But um, so, yeah, I've got a, a handle on Twitter. It's called it's Redisk Humility. Um, so that's my name on Twitter. Um, gosh, that's so that's where you can get the book. I can tell you a little bit more about the book if you'd like. Yes, please do. Okay. Yeah, so like I said, I've just I've really been working on it for a couple of decades and finally I got a sabbatical a couple of years ago and was able to finish it. And um it's the 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 format of the book is based on the three times that Jesus says everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. So that's Luke 18 uh, is the first one I look at about the publican and the or the the Pharisee and the and the um, the old word was publican or the sinner, um, the one who is humble, the one that bragged about himself, and the one that just said, "Have mercy on me, a sinner." The second one's Luke 14, which I've already talked about a good bit, which is uh, 
surrounding the wedding banquet and who you ought to serve and when you should invite yourself up, which is never. Um, <laughs> and then the third one, the third one is the, is the more interesting, the most interesting one. It's, it's a rebuke in Matthew 23, where Jesus really goes after the Pharisees and all their hypocrisy. Uh, and so that's the more, the most difficult one is how do we, I try to take all the, the rebukes he gives there and turn them into blessings. So I said, let's do the opposite of what the Pharisees did. Let's not draw attention to ourselves. Let's not pray on street corners. Let's not brag about how much scripture we know. Um, let's not talk about our own righteousness, but, but be a place of grace for others, uh, a hospital for sinners. So that's, that's the, the last one is what I, I talk about, um, how churches themselves can, can let humility be at their center. So that's Love basically it. the book in a, in a nutshell. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, and, and so let's, let's take some of that, what you just said okay. and all those, all those principles and apply it in just leading everywhere, you know, everywhere in life, how creating an environment with, you know, what you're just talking about and at the banquet and where we have a place where all voices and ideas are heard, mm-hmm. where, you know, most importantly, you, you give your team um, people that you're leading room to, to just spread their their wings. I know mm-hmm. there are times when I'm I'm sitting in a in a meeting where you know the leader uh, they're asking the the questions. Maybe they're even brainstorming, but yet they really have the idea in their mind, and and you know it. You can sense it. No matter what ideas are being put on the table, they're going to dictate what's going to happen there. Oh yes, yeah. And, we have so, all had, we've all had leaders and bosses like that. Yes, so. and and so that that whole principle of once again leading with humility, where you're leading from the back of the room, and right. what does that what does that look like? You know, just by some of your well, in your book. You know, it's interesting. I, I we haven't talked about this yet, but I also have a whole chapter on truth and humility, and that a humble person wants to submit to the truth. It's not relativism. It's not saying, oh, everyone's right, and so let's just all get along. Some, often somebody's right and somebody's wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and so that if you are a leader and you want what's best for your company, then you will submit to the truth. And if, it, if the suggestion comes from the lowest person at the table, that's, it doesn't matter. The idea is what's important. The truth is what's important. So you, mm-hmm. as a leader, you need to – be transparent about that and say, we are here to embrace the best ideas. And maybe, it, maybe some of them will come from me. Um, and so, again, I think the principle of James 1.19 is very important. Be, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Mm. It doesn't mean never speak, but it does mean doing it wisely and after you've heard um, everyone else's opinion. So I actually have a whole footnote on that with 10 different ways to apply that. So I won't go through that now. But just that one verse, I think, is a, is a really good way to, to be a good, humble leader. Mm-hmm. Actually, I would love to hear uh, the quick oh. to listen uh, some okay. of, to, to make that because I do I do believe that you know you're seeing in in the corporate world where they are kind of modeling some of the things that churches are doing and, and a lot of what churches are doing well or we should be doing well is building that community. And, you know, now there's all this research and science is proving that, you know, we were created and wired to connect with other people. And you want to go, well, duh. Sure. <laughs> now, yeah. And now we, they're we going, hey, we need a community. You know, yeah. you have Google, yeah. Facebook, and 
all these organizations that are, you know, they're getting crowned as best company to work for, you know, mm-hmm. in 2017 because, you know, they have free food and snacks to create community and break mm-hmm. bread together. And, you know, you hear of all this and you go, well, yeah, because yeah. when we're creating community, hopefully we're also creating this environment of, of listening to each other and really sure. What's yeah. going on, you know, in their personal life and that that quick to listen, um, boy, we, we can all push the pause button there. Mm-hmm. And oh, you yeah. mentioned it earlier that we, we really we don't know how sometimes to have those conversations. We're so big on telling everybody what we're doing and we want to be the smartest person in the room that we're not asking the right questions to find out more about others. And you, you mentioned the woman in your church that has autism and your mm-hmm. shout out to her of, you know, she's spot on when she, when she says things. And, uh, it just made me think of that, you know, being around, I, I could think of quite a few people, um, that I see as amazing leaders and they are the ones that are listening. They don't right. have to be the smartest person. So what are, what are some other, you know, tips there that we can apply? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you've really touched on some important things. And one is not marginalizing people. Um, I mean, again, this young lady with autism is one of my best friends, and she's just full of wisdom and love and prayer and zeal. And if we said, well, she's not going to be a leader because she's got certain social um, skills that are different, we would be much poorer mm. as a church. And I, I think some businesses are that way as well, where they want a certain leader to look strong and, and, and be up front and have a certain charisma, and they're really missing out on some of the best mm-hmm. gifts that are out there. And I, I think the church – so you, you pointed right out that the corporations are discovering principles that are in Genesis 1. God created us to be in community. He himself is a trinity, uh, one God, but uh, three persons eternally loving one another. And so – that's our model. Um, none of us are independent. None of us have all the best ideas. Um, my daughters and my wife give me the best ideas I've had in my life. And when I have bad ideas, they shoot me down <laughs> before I inflict <laughs> them on others. So I think just being aware of that. Um, one of my, my favorite Bible stories about this is, is King David, the mighty warrior, a man after God's own heart. And he was anointed as king by Samuel. But there's a chapter, 1 Samuel 25, where he is set out to kill Nabal just because Nabal offended him. And yet Abigail rides out and entreats him very humbly, but basically says, David, you're wrong. Don't do this. And David could have just said, get out of my way. I'm the king. But instead he listens to this woman who, of course, in that time was very marginalized uh, in that society. But truth was more important to David than showing his power. And just being right. And I, again, I think humility teaches, every, teaches us that. And, and it's not just Christians writing us. Like you said, a lot of secular sources are, are talking about um, how humility really helps us discover truth and submit to it mm-hmm. and not just insist on our own way. Why, why is it so hard to humble ourselves? Oh, well, sin, pride. Uh, uh, we want to tell God that, that we want to figure things out for ourselves and we want to uh, take care of ourselves and be self-sustaining. And it's just, even as believers, we've got that old man in us pushing back. Um, and that's again, just a, a great 
way to grow in Christ is to, to what the old theologians call it mortifying our sin, mortifying our pride. Just when you reckon, so just being aware of it. That's part of what the book is trying to do is just being aware that pride is constantly uh, at our at a, even if you're a mature Christian, it's not something you'll ever have conquered um, until finally God takes us home. So. Mm. Well, we have two minutes uh, before we end our show. And I just want to thank you so much, Christopher, for being on our show. And uh, that that last uh, tip that you just said, just being aware of pride, Mm -hmm. you know, doing that. So many times we're just so busy in life and we're, you know, running crazily around and and because of our our sin. And we are so amazing (laughs) that we get that. That pride that that's there that we need to reevaluate and mm-hmm. and go okay God, um, you know the back to how we started the show because I know I have a tendency when I when I pray for that of just showing showing me humility I I do have a tendency right. even though I want to lean in and be so Christ like I go but be gentle don't don't but humiliate me in front of everyone. <laughs> but here here's the good news though I, I gotta jump in here. Yes. Jesus is on our side. He is helping us become more humble, and he forgives mm-hmm. us when we're prideful, and he forgives us when we fail. And he just is our gentle Savior who will bear mm-hmm. us up. And so we, when we discover it, we shouldn't beat ourselves up so much as just say, Lord, help me repent. Just kind of laugh and just say, thank you for forgiving me and help me mm-hmm. to be more like Christ. And mm-hmm. we will. And, and what a great note to end on. We thank you, Christopher. And just that tip for the hour, confidence balance with humility is a recipe for leadership and success. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 